Welcome to the Pearl Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message blesses you in a way that is inspiring, encouraging, and transformational. For more information about our church, please visit thepearl.church. We hope you enjoy this message. God's good. Today, uh, today I want to speak on a subject. I call, I'm, I'm calling this message Fitted. Fitted. And we're going to talk about stones and some stones that were in the Bible. Um, but every church... Every church has its own personality. Every church has its own culture. Church is a family. How many of you know your family has a culture? Some of you are loud. Some of you, if I came to your house for dinner, I'd think you were in a fight. But you were actually just loving each other and, and arguing over the lasagna, okay? Every, every, every family has a culture. My family, uh, we're sort of in the middle uh, but we get loud, we're quiet. My Filipino side, you'd think we all needed counseling after a meal <laughs> on the Filipino side of the family. Uh, but every church has a culture. Um, our, our church has a culture. And I believe that we are one of the churches in Denver, Colorado, that the Lord ha- is blessing and we're growing and, and it's all good because, you know, we're like Baskin and Robbins, right? 31 flavors. We need 30 we need 31 flavors of churches. We need every church to be blessed. We need every pastor to be strong and their, their teams. But we're just one flavor. And so we have to remember that while we're building church, that we don't ever think that we're the only ones that know how to build church. We have to make sure that we stay very humble. We stay very humble because things change. Culture changes. Uh, things just move. And what God does is he brings, he puts churches and, and congregations in history along the way, and he, he drops them into places so that they can be relevant to the culture and the season that they're in. Now, we talk a lot about relevancy, but I want you to know relevancy. You look it up. Relevancy actually just means to be accurate. That's all it means, to be accurate. It doesn't mean that you have the coolest graphics or the best videos. Uh, relevant means that you are accurate. In other words, you have to know the people that you're trying to pastor. In other words, you have to know each other. If you're a small group leader, a connect group leader, by the way, connect groups today. Uh, wow, these people are all in a connect group right here. Uh, connect groups outside. If you haven't signed up for a connect group, please do. They start in two weeks. Um, but what happens is, is that, that we, we get to know each other. If you're a connect group leader, you have to be accurate to who your group is. You got to know your group. You should know their names. You should know uh, their family. You should know what they do for a living. You should know their favorite food. Uh, you should know what their hobbies are. You should kind of get to know so that you can be accurate when you minister to people. So that's, that's, that's all I mean by relevant is accuracy. And so our church, we, we believe that our job is to pray a lot, read the Bible, um, really believe God for some great things, but we also want to be accurate. Now, we want to be accurate to who God's called us to and where he's called us. And so today, last week I did, last week I did this message on the galaxies and governments. Jesus, if he, if he created the stars and he named them, how many of you know he knows who you are? If our God is big enough to name the stars, he's big enough to walk with you through your stuff and love you and your family, amen? But we live in this finite world and we tend to think that God doesn't know what's going on, but he does. Because if he can do all of that, he can handle all of this. So that was last week. So we started up in the galaxies and now we're gonna come down here, we're gonna talk about church. For us and who God's called us to be, there are four things 
that we build our culture on, and I'm going to tell you what those four things are in a minute. Now, what you'll see over the next season is you'll see these four statements, these four things. You'll see them take a little bit of a forefront, both in media and in the lobby, on our website, Facebook. You'll begin to see these things because we can't build on everything. You can't take 300 things and just build on 300 things. You have to say, okay, what are the four basic things that we want to do really, really well how do we want to do them? I'm going to talk about those in just a minute. So, but we're going to begin with talking about some stones in the Bible, okay? Now, stones in the Bible always had to do with either building or setting someone free, right? How many of you know the stone was rolled away? Christmas is coming. I told you last week, I'm already thinking about Christmas. I wish I could preach on Christmas right now. Um, the most important stone, maybe. But the Bible calls Jesus the cornerstone, and then the Bible talks about building, building your house on a rock and all these kind of things. So the, the, the imagery of stones is very important in the New Testament. I want to give you four today, um, and then I'll give you the, the four things that we're building on. So let's jump in and let's go, to a, let's go to a couple verses today. You can go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, which is kind of where I ended last week, but this is a very famous, a very famous portion of scripture. And... Uh, it says this, upon this rock, remember Jesus is talking to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So upon this rock, so the first rock that we see is what we call a foundation stone. It's not a specific rock. It's simply um, a, a stone, a, a giant rock, a stone. Um, where I come from, there was this little hill. There was this hill in Oregon, and they made that hill and the church building that was on top of that hill a place for the first responders to go in case of a natural disaster. You know, there's always, I think we do that here, there's others. But the reason why they chose that hill, because that hill was made of a very specific kind of stone from top to bottom. So if there's, there was an earthquake, everything around it, would move, but that mountain would not move. This is a picture of how God's house is supposed to be. When everything else is moving, that mountain does not move, okay? So it talks about the foundation stone. So foundations support houses, and your life is a house. So if you have a strong foundation, then you can withstand the storms that life brings. Can I hear an amen right there? So we have to build our, our, our life on a firm foundation. The problem with storms and foundations is this, is that you can have a storm and you don't have to do anything spiritual at all. Storms just happen. Storms just come, whether you know God, you don't know God, whether you're in process trying to figure it out, um, storms just happen. Like you don't have to be a Christian. How many of you know everybody goes through stuff, right? Okay, so storms happen. So there's a difference between these kind of storms and the normal storms of life. Storms happen without anything spiritual happening at all, but a house that is built on God's word is not meant to survive a storm. It's meant to withstand something. There's a difference between surviving and withstanding. Because it says here, it doesn't say, it doesn't say and, Upon you, I'm going to build my church, and you better turn off your sprinklers in Denver because winter's coming. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say you better take an umbrella when you head outside. It doesn't say you better begin to winterize. I'd never seen that before until I moved here. Everybody here winterizes on the same day. 
It's like everyone was a part of an email that I wasn't on the list. You see, in the Northwest, it might snow, it might not snow, but it's gonna rain. Come on, somebody. And so, but all, you know, we never think about that. My first year here, I'm walking down the street. It was 85 degrees and I look around and there's people all over turning off their sprinklers and blowing things out and moving things and changing things and wrapping things. I'm like, what's everybody doing? They're like, where have you been? <laughs> walking with my dog. It's time to winterize, brother. How can it be time to winterize when it's 81, 81 degrees, right? And so, all, so, so what happens here, though, he doesn't say that. It doesn't say when the normal storms of life come, that's, that's why you need the rock. It says when the gates of hell come against you. These are not the normal storms. These are the storms that come at people who know God and their house is filled with God and they're living for a purpose, right? The only house that can stand without purpose are the ones who don't have God working in them. Let me explain this. When I was a kid, some of you will remember this and many of you will not. But when I was a kid in our neighborhood, we had what was called a block home. If you remember block homes, wave your hand. You're gonna have to be over 40 years old. Okay, here was a block home. It was back when they started to build cul-de-sacs all over America, right? And I would get up in the morning, I'd go to school. And when I got off the bus at the end of the day, if there was a bad person, who wanted to hurt me in the cul-de-sac and I needed somewhere to run. My mom, who's a single mom, she's working, she's not there. I'm a latchkey kid, and you remember that term, a kid, the first generation to come home, mom's working, dad's working, but we had keys around our necks that hung on a necklace. We were called latchkey kids because we came home to no parents. So if we got off the bus and we came walking out and there's a bad guy, there was one house in every cul-de-sac that was the block house. And you knew that it was the block house because there was a yellow sticker about this big of a yellow house on the outside window of that house. It was a mom who wasn't working, a grandma who was home, and on that yellow sticker that matched the color of the school buses, if I saw a bad guy and I didn't know where to go, I could run to the block house and I knew someone would be there, right? The church is supposed to be a block house for every person who needs a place to run. This is what we're, where we're supposed to, to put our energies and our strength. A house that's built on, built on God's word is not meant to survive, but withstand the gates of hell when they come against you. It's a different kind of storm. And the reason why that's so important is because we're not an inanimate object. We're not just sitting here doing nothing. We're filled with purpose. Our purpose is people. And if you don't want to have any trouble in life, just never do anything for God and the devil will leave you alone. But as soon as you start to open your door and say, hurting people, come to me. Little children, come in here. Cherry Creek, Aurora, Dead. Denver, people, 200,000 people driving by this place every single day. Why don't you come on in here? We'll help you. We'll take care of you. The enemy turns around, sees you on the corner, and starts to blow. That's when you need to be built on the Word of God. That's why we need a foundation. It's not because we're doing nothing. It's because we're doing something. Only a house without, pur without purpose gets to stand without storms. And so that's why, he, that's why he phrases it like this. So the first stone is that stone of the foundation of the word of God. That's how we have to build. And the second one then, and I'm gonna need a little help and I haven't rehearsed this. So if you've been around me a while, you know that when I don't rehearse things, things don't go well, okay? 
But the second one is the cornerstone. Now check out this verse here in Acts chapter four, verse 11. Jesus is the stone that you builders rejected. So now we have a stone, which has become the cornerstone. The cornerstone. All right. Gabby, Elliot or Chuck, someone who loves me a lot. Is that Chuck? Okay, come on, Chuck. Gabby, you come. All right, just, just hang out with me and everybody clap for them because they don't want to be up here. Okay. Bring me a stone. Bring me one of the gray ones and put it, and put it right here, okay? Put it right here. And then find me the one that says the cornerstone. Find, find that thing. Here, let me see. I need tape. Thank you. Piece of tape. Thank you. Why do, I, why do I feel like my name is Trebek and you're Vanna White? I don't know. <laughs> is there an A? Okay, here we go. Look, I want you to notice something. Okay, I want you to notice something. That Jesus, when he says he's the cornerstone, it means that he's the first. Whatever you build, there's a first. Jesus is the first. I don't know if any of you have ever built a retaining wall. Now, a couple of years ago, I did this for some of the leaders, a little different, different message, but, but when you build a retaining wall, your very first stone is the most important stone. And if you put the first stone down the wrong way, all of the other stones will be crooked. And so you take a tremendous amount of time when you're building a retaining wall to, uh, to make sure that it's placed right. Uh, I built a retaining wall once. I probably spent an hour and a half on the first stone because you, you clear the space, you tap down some gravel, you take a level, you put a level on it. And it wasn't level. It was just a little bit off. So then I had to do it a little more. And then I had to do it a little more. And finally, I got the first stone just as perfectly placed as I could. I'm driving down Lincoln one day past an office building, and they were building a retaining wall. And it looks really nice. They're putting off, I said, honey, doesn't that look nice? That's gonna be great for them. Look at that. And then I come back a week later and it's finished. I thought, that is so beautiful. That wall is gorgeous. That must have cost them a lot of money. That's a beautiful wall. I came back a month later and half of the wall had fallen down. And if you look at it, you think there was something wrong with the stones that fell. It's not true. There was something wrong with the first stone. Because the first stone was put in crooked. And the first stone doesn't ever have to move because it doesn't look like it's fallen. Can I just be honest with you today? How's everybody doing? You know, I've been a lot of, around a lot of Christians and a lot of pastors and leaders in America over the last 25 years, and they look great. Their ministries look great, and they have a great way of when the, when the wall falls down 10 feet down the row, they still look good, but there's a lot of broken people in their wake. This stone is the most important stone that we can lay, making sure that Jesus is the very first thing in everything that we do. All of a sudden, you, everything looks good for the first 10 stones and you get 50 or 1,000 stones down and all of a sudden the wall starts to look crooked and you go, what's wrong with that wall? There's nothing wrong with the wall. There's something wrong with the way you laid the first stone. The Bible says that he is the cornerstone. He's the stone that the builders rejected. Why? Because the builders at that time didn't want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. So they rejected what was right. And they accepted what was wrong and they laid and built according to a cro crooked plan that would not bring them salvation. And so the very first stone is the first most important stone. Ask me if I care if you go to a connect group because I don't. I mean, ultimately I do, but I want you to know Jesus more than I want you in a connect group. Because this is about a relationship. It's not about our church statistics.
Ask me if I care if you shake hands or work in the parking lot. Of course I do. But I'd rather have you know Jesus and find you on the floor in tears trying to have a relationship with him, uh, getting your life. I'd rather have you learn the Bible before you learn our four core values. I'd rather have you know the Lord Jesus Christ and place him as the first thing in your life before you try to attempt anything else because people who try to attempt things in Jesus' name without having a relationship with Jesus himself will turn around one day and look backwards at the church and blame the church for the, something the church did wrong, but really they just put the church before Jesus. So this stone is incredibly important. The cornerstone is the very most important thing that we do when Jesus is not the center, we end up serving programs instead of programs serving people. When Jesus is not the center, the vision that once fueled us now empties us. When Jesus is not the center, the church becomes a place of pain and offense instead of a place of healing and transformation. All of this, all of this is based on how we treat the first stone. So my question to you is, is, before I move on is, how is your relationship with Christ? Like, does anybody here have problems? Come on, who's got a problem? No, I don't mean like, like not the person, the person next to you is not the problem. That's not what I'm talking about. Or like, I want to know who's got problems. You have problems. Anyone here have problems? Okay. We all have got our issues. The same Jesus is the same answer for every issue. When I say, how's your relationship with Jesus? What I mean is, I, what, I, what I mean is, it's not do you have problems and is God involved? What I mean is, is Jesus the cornerstone of your life? If he is, then you will view the Bible differently. People say, I wanna have a relationship with God. I have a relationship with Jesus, but they don't crack the Bible. How can you have a relationship and never read one thing that he said to you? He wrote that book for you. It's a personal love letter to you. That's why when we open it up, we can't look at it and don't, don't read the King James. If, if anybody here is a King James, like it's all about the King James, then you won't like what I'm about to say. Find a Bible you can read. If you can't read that one, thou shalt get a different one. But, but don't... Don't not read the personal love letter that Jesus wrote you to help you with your life. And if you don't know Jesus, if you, if you have walked away from Jesus, then this morning is your opportunity to place a stone that will help you build what God called you to build. The reason why he put you on this earth is so that you can build something. You see, the, the cornerstone, they, they, they didn't call him, Jesus didn't call himself, God didn't call him Paul. They didn't say the only stone. They said the cornerstone which means that we're here to build something. But you've got to build his way, all right? So then the next one, the next stone. Let's, let's do the next stone. Uh, the next stone is what I call the living stone. First Peter chapter two, verse five. Just put it right there. And can you, can you find it? Oh, no, 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 not yet. Hold, lack of rehearsal. Okay, the living stone. The living stone. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by human hands, chosen by God and precious to him, you also are like living stones being built into a spiritual house. So this is where we find out 
that we're building something on the foundation. Jesus is the first stone, and now we're building a house. This is where we find out we're building a house. But I want you to notice what the scripture says. It says that as you come to him, in the beginning, he came to us in the incarnation. He came from heaven to earth to show us the way. But now we have an opportunity to come to him. And when we do, we find life. My family was all out of town recently. And for those of you who are empty nesters, uh, you know this feeling. It was like a foreshadowing of what happens when all my children either go away to college or get married and leave, leave us, right? I'm walking through the house and I was like, this is horrible. There's no life in the house. Now being who I am, I stood in the living room and I thought through that. If they were all gone and if they were all married, hopefully it means that they all have jobs. <laughs> so if this is the season before I get my payback, then I'm okay, but it's empty. And it was funny because our house is so loud, right? Um, even my dog was gone at somebody else's house. He was like, there were, and I just walked in, there's nobody there. There, were, there weren't three kids playing three instruments and practicing till 11 o'clock at night. There was no arguing, there's no laughing, there was no dirty kitchen. Um, I dirtied it just because I wanted to. Um, there was no, there, there was nothing, there was no loud yelling up, up to the upstairs, down to the downstairs. There was just me standing in the living room uh, deciding if I was gonna watch the news or the Discovery Channel. But what does the Bible say? It says this, as you come to him, the living, everyone say living the living stones, what it says. A living stone can only build a living house. So God's house is never supposed to be empty. God's house is never supposed to be void of life. It's supposed to be filled with laughter. It's supposed to be filled with people growing. It's supposed to be filled with an occasional bump or argument or something. I know that no one in here has ever had an argument with your spouse, but it's supposed to be filled with life. A house that has no life is not a living stone. God's house has people in it and people are messy. People have problems. Here we are in this beautiful building, right? Things are getting broken again, praise the Lord. Kids are writing on the walls with permanent ink again. Praise Jesus. There's not enough computers to go around. There's not enough seats. There's no place for the staff to sit and to work. And so they have, they have meetings in the hallway and all the way around the building. Praise God. Because we're, we're meant, it's meant to have, a, have life in it. See, life is not like an Airbnb. You know Airbnb? You go to an Airbnb, it always looks perfect. Because no one's there to stay. But in the church, we move in. People move in. People join the family. So a living stone, but then that leads us to a fitted stone. A fitted stone. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. Built on the foundations of the apostles with Christ himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together, the, the entire building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. Now here's where I want to give you my four, I want to give you my four things. So while we're building on the foundation, 
We're all being fitted together. Everyone say fitted. Okay, so we have a house. The house is on foundation. Uh, has Jesus as the cornerstone. That cornerstone is alive, so we're alive. And now here we all are, and we're being fitted together. Okay, so here we go. Gabby, why don't you help me out here? Why don't you go ahead and put, put no God right here? The first core value that our church has from, you know, we, we build the cornerstone, but for you, we want you to know God. I want you to know that God loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. Now as a church, if we were to preach anything else first, we'd be missing something. But this is a core value. I'm more, I'm more um, concerned that you know God than you know any of us. I want you to know Jesus. So that no matter where you leave to and live in your lifetime, you know, you're gonna have a relationship with Jesus, okay? This is very important. The second one, know God, the second one is discover purpose. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna discover our purpose together. So we're gonna start like this. Everyone say, no God. All right, turn to your neighbor and say, no God. Now turn to your neighbor and say, discover purpose. So in scripture, the Bible says he put us here on this earth to do something. It's not, we're not, a, we're not the stone, we're a stone. He's the, the cornerstone of something that's being built, which means that all of us have a purpose. Now, this word purpose can be very lofty. Like, what is my purpose? How do I figure out what I'm supposed to do? What happens is we see a word like purpose and we think that something huge is supposed to happen. And that's not, that's not how it works. At my season of life, if I had to decipher the word purpose as some big, giant, massive event that was supposed to take place all the time, then I would be disappointed all the time. Purpose is God living through your life every day where you're at. It's, it's, it's your family, it's your friends, it's your coworkers. It's showing up to church and saying, hey guys, I'm here to serve. I'm here to build the, the house of God. Um, better to be a, a door greeter, that's what the Bible says, better to be a door greeter in the house of God, right? For one day than doing anything else for a thousand years. I mean, you think about how powerful the church is. And remember that the world is peripheral to the church. The most important thing happening in our city is what is happening in 2000 churches today. It's not the politics, it's not the sports, it's not the sunshine, it's the house of God. It's where Jesus, the creator, God, the creator of the universe is working today and visiting his people. And so to show up and to serve, this is what really what it's all about. Discovering purpose is what is God doing in your life today? How can I serve him today? Lord Jesus, on Monday, bring one person across my path that I can love and pray for. People don't say no to prayer, by the way. Did you know that? I mean, for someone to say no to a prayer, they have to have a really a bad day. I mean, like I ask people to pray for them all the time, all the time. And they just say yes, because everyone knows that they have a need. One little prayer helps me discover my purpose for that day. So knowing God, everyone say no God. <laughs> discover purpose, say it, discover purpose. And the third one is to uh, live generously. Now, generosity is very important because the way that we view generosity in a current generation is very interesting because generosity began 
in scripture. It began with God. God created generosity and he acted upon it. So I want you to think of this. The Bible says, right, in the most famous verse in in the Bible in the whole world, for God what? The world that he gave. Okay, he loved you so much that he gave his son to die on the cross for your sins. We couldn't pay the price, so God goes, I'm gonna give my son to pay the price for their sin. Generosity starts with Jesus, for he gave, he gave us, his son, that whosoever, who here is a part of the whosoever? He gave. So generosity begins with giving. Generosity is the most powerful force on planet earth. I'm telling you. Jesus, yes, obviously. But the power of Jesus is inaugurated and anointed through generosity. God gave. But today's generation, they don't understand why they feel like they have to give. So even if you don't give, you always feel like you have to give. Do you know why? Because right over here in this Discover Purpose, the Bible says that God put eternity in our hearts. There's a place in our heart that has to be fulfilled only by God. There's an empty place that only God can fill. And because God is a giver, he's a generous God who gave his son. We're driven by purpose to do something, to give our time, to give our talents, to give our emotions, to give our hearts, to give our treasures, right? We're driven to do that, but we don't know why, because we haven't discovered that our purpose comes from knowing God. And so people who feel like they want to give, they start giving to things and they don't know what to give to. And so they just pick something because they don't know God. People in this generation want to give. Why do you think there are so many causes out there today? There's so many websites and so many things to give to and so many things to be a part of. It's because God puts something inside of the heart of man that says, I have to give something of myself away. This is the evidence that we were created by Jesus. That there's something inside of us that wants to give. And so when we say live generously, we have to be generous in our lives with everything. Our time, our talents, our treasure, We don't hold back, we bless. That's why I believe that one of the things that God's called our house to do, this house, is to give to church plants. Because for some reason, a lot of people have given up on church plants. I think that when church plants come into town and they're a part of our family and our network, we should bless them. We help them buy their speakers. We help them buy a pulpit. We help them get into a hotel or into a middle school. We just give generously. But we have to learn that our generosity comes because of what's happening in us with purpose. And here's the last one. Um, Now let's do this one. Let's do that big, giant one. Now watch what happens. Watch this. Notice the difference in the weight. This one is full. This one is empty. Do you guys remember the power team? Remember the power team? Interesting story. I wanted to join them once, but I was too big. There is a story. Uh, They let me give my testimony one time and I just had this dream of traveling with the power team and, but I couldn't break anything. And you never see the power team try to break one of these. 
Because that is cement, it's empty, it's sand. This is a stone. That weighs 12 pounds, this weighs 40 pounds. You can't, you can't break this with your forehead. So what are we gonna build on? So I'm gonna tell you what this rock is. This is a special rock, and we'll wrap it up right here. This is a very special stone. Um, I know that in, in the year, I, I'm trying to remember what's on the wall on the stone out here. I think it says 1954 is when this church started, Calvary Temple. It's written on a stone on the wall. Um, our church started in 2009. And in 2009, when we launched our church, there was 11 and 12 people. Then there was 15, 18, 20, 25, 30, 36. 36 people in my house on the last Sunday we were there. Our house was filled from top to bottom with people sitting on the stairs, little living room, everything's packed. Uh, Steven's playing guitar, Donna's playing the keyboard and leading worship, and we've got kitchen chairs everywhere. It was, it was an incredible moment, but it was our last Sunday. And on the last Sunday, I wanted to inaugurate the day. What, what are we gonna do? Let's do something special. People were like, let's give everybody an arrow because we're gonna be shot into the world and change the world. I thought, eh. Let's take a picture. Uh, pictures are good. And then one guy says, well, what do you want to do? I said, go down to Home Depot and get me a rock. People were like, why? And I said, because we're all going to sign a rock. And at first they thought it was cheesy. But I want you to understand something. See, most of my friends planted and are still planting churches in their 20s. Their 20s and early, early 30s. I didn't start my church until I was 41 years old. Do you know what that means? That means I don't have as much energy. That means that, that being cool, my cool years were already slipping away. It means that my ability to do a graphic the right way was already gone. Do you know what it meant though? That if we're gonna build a church, I better figure out how to build it God's way. God builds with stones. And so we didn't, we didn't take a picture. We didn't buy an arrow. We didn't do any of that. On our last Sunday, as people are walking out of my living room, I gave them pens and they wrote on this rock. And this rock doesn't have a special place anywhere. It just sits in my garage, you know, in the back of my garage. I had to get all the dust and the cobwebs off it this morning. You know, I tried to carry it to my car and hurt my back. And, uh, uh, but, but what is on this rock are the names of every single person that started in our living room. Some of them are here, some of them have gone on with their life, they live other places all around the world, but their names are here. Because what I do know is this, is that the key to building God's house is not having the best of everything, but knowing the one person who is the best in everything, and it is Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, and we're gonna build God's way. This is how it's done. It's not based on age. It's not based on relevancy. It's not based on any of those things. It's based on, do you know how to build God's way? And if you do, you're going to do, you're going to start with the cornerstone. Say this with me. I'm going to point at one and you say it. Everyone say, no, God. Discover, discover purpose. The last one is, I'm just going to show you. You'll probably saw it on the screen, but it's it's build community. And so this is why we'd love for you to get involved and be a part of a connect group. But this, 
this is how God builds. Can I hear an amen? Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Tell him you love him. I went a little long, forgive me. Stand to your feet. We're gonna wrap it up right now. We still have to take the offering, but jump to your feet and uh, let me pray for you. As you stand to your feet, can you please, can you close your eyes just for a moment and bow your heads just for a second. If you could help me out here, close your eyes just for a second right now. Jesus, I pray that you would come and that you would bless every single person uh, in our church today. Now, now listen, this, this message is very important. Heads bowed, eyes closed if you're here. And you need prayer today to get your life aligned with Jesus. If you, if you need to put Jesus, the cornerstone, back in his rightful place, maybe you've never accepted Christ into your life or maybe you've been away for a while and you just haven't been serving God. Maybe you're putting other things in front of him and you've put some of these other things as the first stone in your life. If you need Jesus to be the center, the cornerstone of your life, I want you to lift your hands right now as I pray. Come on, lift your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else today? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Hands all around the room. Thank you, sir. Thank you, miss. Anybody else? Keep your hands up just for a minute. Anybody else want this prayer? Thank you in the balcony. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you up there. Thank you. Anybody else? Lift your hand for this prayer. If you need to put Jesus first in your life today. Now, here we go. Everyone pray this. Say, Lord Jesus, today I place you in the perfect place. You are first in my life, the cornerstone. You are the most important person in my life. I lift you up. I put you in your place. I build my life on you. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me of all my sin, all my stuff. And today... I want to build your way. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.